podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The match to end all matches, a rivalry to shake and shape the world as we know it. The biggest game in the history of all big games ever, at least since the last time. And a comprehensive and utterly inevitable cakewalk for this seriously good Indian juggernaut. I'm Phil Walker and this is the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. And I'm joined here at a suddenly rather barren Old Trafford by the Indian journalist and broadcaster Chetan Narula and Ben Jones, Crickviz's finest Raymond Carver aficionado. Welcome to the show, chaps. Lovely to have us. Thank you so much. Right, for the record, just to run through it briefly, India won by, what was it in the end, 90? 89, 89. 89, 89 after posing 3-3-6 for 5. Rohit Sharma, 140. Kohli chipped in with 77. Uh, Rahul as well, opening the batting, a new 57. They then squeezed Pakistan, who sunk from 117 for 1 with Baba Azam and Fakhar uh, Zaman going well to a miserable rain-interrupted pointless, miserable death. It was a rather peculiar end to the game, but we'll come to that in a moment. Chetan, what was your moment of this day? Rohit Sharma batting and uh, getting that uh, width outside the off stump, slashing hard at it, and the ball flying over third man for six. Reminiscent of uh, 2003 Centurion, that was another India-Pakistan game, and that that was an India-Pakistan game where, you know, it was still a contest between the two sides. And it wasn't one today, was it? No, it wasn't one today. Uh, It's not been for a while now, hasn't and um, you know that shot just reminded me of Sachin Tendulkar and and I and I just thought you know it would be interesting if uh, Pakistan had a bit more about them uh, yes you know it's India Pakistan you build it up before the game you write articles how you know it's such a big folklore coming to the match you say on Twitter yes it's the biggest spectacle it's not is it no increasingly so the evidence is overwhelming Ben Jones uh, what was your moment of the day um, mine was the dismissal of Baba Azam by Kuldeep Yadav because um, at that point the game still felt like a contest it did still feel like you know you could kind of nudge people and you kind of there's a glint in the eye that like maybe they're going to do this like there's nervous Indians everywhere hopeful Pakistanis but then all of a sudden Kuldeep comes on and just rips out like the dream delivery the one you imagine you're bowling when you're like miming leg spin as a kid um, and it yeah it swerves it dips it dives it does hoops in the air and bowls him through the gate and it yeah it just killed the game really and then from then on they lose four wickets in 19 balls and we're done I, I was sitting with a bunch of Indian journalists at that point and they were definitely definitively uptight about the state of the game personally i wasn't at all maybe i've seen too many you know pakistan are, they're not necessarily the most consistent side oh is that right <laughs> yeah i've heard i've heard rumors <laughs> that they're re- relatively uns- surprising occasionally I, I i don't think there was ever really a hope that they were going to come back into it but that that was the last point where it was a chance chetan uh, for me no it was never ever a doubt i mean the moment india crossed 300 um yes there were rain interruptions i i i thought you know when they went off for rain for the first time then came back and batted what three and a half overs for me that was unnecessary to be honest i mean india would have been like yeah you know we have enough let's just have a bowl the they moment sh- they should have declared <laughs> they should have declared <laughs> <laughs> um no don't no, no disrespect to pakistan but uh, the moment they crossed 300 for me this pakistan side yes they're mercurial uh, they're unpredictable and as mickey arthur says they are exciting but you know they can't to save their lives they can't chase 300 no uh, that that partnership was going really well i was on air uh, doing commentary and i was talking to my guest at that time you know they they needed a 100 and 150 160 partnership really dominating if that would have carried on they had they put on 100 mm-hmm. if that had carried on for a few more overs they would have added 50 60 more runs mm-hmm. maybe even then i'm talking about maybe but yeah. 100 was 
they were they, it was ne- it was it just provided structure to the Pakistan innings. It was never going to be enough. Uh, ben Jones, how poor were Pakistan up front with the ball, and how brilliant were India's openers? I mean, Pakistan as a whole were were terrible with the ball, but Amir was incredible again. Um, as he was at Taunton. Um, he's playing a different sport at the moment in terms of the Pakistan seamers don't seem to be able to land it on a length, they don't seem to be able to swing it, they don't seem to have any variations, but Amir is doing all of that and more. Um, and that was what was so, fr- so frustrating this morning as someone who wanted to see a contest was that it was, we rocked up, it's an early start, it's a little bit cloudy, there's a bit in the pitch and all and Amir's banging it on a length and Rahul's looking twitchy outside of stump but then Hassan at the other end is bowling half volleys and down leg and short, it, 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 was, it was a mess. It was, it's been quite demoralising to see Hassan's uh, many backward steps considering he was the bowler of the tournament here two years ago well I was I was looking earlier and during that tournament he averaged 10 in the middle overs now he, he averages was, 10 and over <laughs> well in this year he's averaging 160 in the middle overs the, wow. the man has gone from being wow. the king of the middle to being struck through it he's, he's yeah. terrible your heart does go out to any cricketer who's going through that I saw Wazim Akram kind of pointedly making some points to him this morning and during the warm up finger wagging stuff and the world can feel like it's just closing in on you when, when you lose your action you lose your form and, and, and it is it's a harsh world out there for professional cricketers and nothing, nothing bigger than a game like this but it was painful at points to watch Hassan Ali I found today he wasn't alone either was he Chetan, there were, with as Ben says, the exception of, of Mo Amir, it was a pretty abject performance all round. Absolutely. I think uh, Pakistan's, yes, the batting might not be clicking at the moment when you're chasing 300, but with the bowling, it's not clicking either at, at the moment, is it? I mean, you have the exception of Mohamed Amir, that game against Pakistan, uh, against England, sorry, where uh, Mohamed Hafiz and Shoaib Malik exerted themselves as spinners. As soon as those two guys came on, India just hit them out of the attack. So suddenly, that was half the innings. Halfway through the Indian innings, Pakistan had used seven bowlers. What are you doing when you're bowling first, when you won the toss? In those conditions, you're you're bowling first, you put the you inserted the opposition in and halfway through their innings you've used seven bowlers that just that just tells you the state of the game but there's also a l- there's a bit of luck involved isn't there because Vijay Shankar is what their sixth seventh bowler for India and he's not really a frontline seamer and he rocks up first ball because of the injury to Bovi and takes a wicket and we've seen that earlier in the tournament Hafiz and Malik can be really effective as like, as extra bowlers and sometimes that with those kind of players they go up they go down they have good days they go bad days they're not consistent whereas Shankar had a hot day and it removed him arm and from then on Pakistan were always up against it I want to come to Sharma in a moment um, but I want to talk about India's middle order Shankar came in today um, Pandya didn't quite fire today at four although he was Edging, sensational <laughs> he was edging open. deliveries yeah, yeah um, Dhoni is, is, is floating in there at four five six depending on the, the time of the game I was again speaking to a couple of Indian journalists who, who profess to be slightly concerned about that middle order especially in light of Dewan's injury and Rahul having to move up how do you see it Chetan? We're all concerned <laughs> right. I have I've seen that middle order mess take shape I'm not saying the middle order take shape I'm saying the middle order mess Take shape, and it started with Rahul. Actually, it started. He was in. He was in red hot form in IPL 2017, and mm-hmm. they suddenly decided we can't leave a batsman of that quality out. But then the thing is, the batsman of that quality needs to adapt himself to go to the middle order. It's a completely different game. Why? Because India's top order, when you look at Dhawan, Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli, in the last two years, since 2017 Champions Trophy, they've contributed 55% of India's ODI runs amongst the three of them. Which means that these three batsmen, the game plan is to start slow, take the game as deep as possible. And that's what they have done against Australia. 
against uh, Pakistan here as well, which means that the middle order just needs to come and do the acceleration bit. And somebody like KL Rahul, who's adept at batting at the top, it doesn't come easy because sometimes you lose early wickets, you need to maneuver the middle order. It didn't succeed for him. Uh, And... uh, it just went on with the experimentation. Now they now they believe that they have found a solution with Rahul and Vijay Shankar. And Vijay Shankar did well in New Zealand and against mm-hmm. Australia as well. So they just feel like they've found a solution because they want to keep things mixed up. At, yep. You know, send and Pandya fluid. in, Shankar in, Rahul at number four. Just depends on the situation, really. Yep. I was just going to say the, the one concern for this Indian side is that all that a team has got to do really to get on top of them is to have one good performance at the death. If mm. you get, if you come in and you knock over a few wickets and then you nail it and they go for 45, they're not going to make 320. They're going to be making 300. And if you can do that, then you can compete. Um, but, you know, they, they still look pretty unbeatable at the moment. Yeah, I mean, just on that, crumbs of comfort for Pakistan. They did actually manage to pull it back reasonably well. I think it's 80-odd put put on for the last 10, 10 overs of India's innings. Obviously, they were already out out of sight by that point, regardless. Um, okay, I want to talk about Rohit Sharma, really. So, Rohit Sharma came, became India's ODI opening batsman in 2013, um, when Dhoni, who was rebuilding his team after t- 2011, identified him as his next opening batsman. Before that, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chetan, but he, he was kind of a, a poster boy for sort of casual, shrugging, underachievement like a, a dilettante cricketer really in, in in the eyes of many people in India since that moment since that hinge hinging moment of his career uh, what we're saying six years of which he's, he's made 20 plus hundreds averaging 63 strike rate of 96 in that period has there been a better sustained period of ODI opening batsmanship than than Rohit Sharma in the last last half a decade absolutely not I think uh when, when that move happened, it was perhaps the do or die moment for Rohit Sharma. Now that we look back at it, because, you know, I was I was on here in Southampton with uh, with Clive Lloyd and he was surprised and he had a remarkable hundred there, didn't he, Rohit yeah. Sharma? And he was surprised when, when you, he was looking at uh, Rohit Sharma's test numbers. Yes. This guy's just played 30-odd tests. He's averaging less than 40. How is that even possible? It's possible because, like you said, you know, callousness, shot-making, shot selection, just looking like you're having a net session, really. Um, that was a do-or-die moment for Rohit Sharma's career, really. And uh, India won that Champions Trophy, good partnerships with Dhawan. He found that, you know, he could take time. I think Dhawan has had a lot, of, lot to contribute to it because... Once he gets started, he free he 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 hits his shots, you know, and uh, scores really free flowing in uh, uh, in terms of the scoring rate, which takes a lot of pressure off Rohit Sharma because he can just you know play along, get into rhythm, yep. and when he gets into the big shots, you know, there's nobody. I call him the easiest on the eyes six hitter in world cricket at the moment. So. Mm-hmm. From there on, once he got that going, and this Indian team, if you get a good 100, they'll give you five matches there, 10 matches there, and Rohit Sharma has always, without even hundreds, he's had a long rope. So and, and the he just made that spot his own, and yeah. it's just blossomed from there and on. The trick as well, which is so rare, is to combine achingly beautiful run-making with remorseless regularity. Yeah. And and that, that, is the, that is really the elixir of, of cricket, and he's, he's been able to pull it off. How do you see him, Ben? Uh, where do you rank this bloke? I mean, I, when I'm kind of casually referring to it, I refer to him and Coley as the great ODI players of the modern era. Um, but that's partly influenced by what I've watched, and so I've, you've always got that bias. But I don't, I don't see them quite on a, on a parallel. But 
they're they're in amongst it. I mean, the thing with Rowett, which I always find when I watch him, is it, it is that ease on the eye, that easy power. But it is also the fact that when he gets in, he makes it count, and it's partly because he, he was really riled when he got out. For exactly because he, when he when he gets in, he scores quicker than any player in the world in the last ten overs, faster than than Eddie De Villiers, faster than Butler, faster than Maxwell. Is that right? Yeah, he's insanely quick at the end when he gets there. Obviously, as an opener, it rarely happens. But the point is, he's quite good at knowing when to pace an innings, so he slows down a lot between ninety and hundred. He kind of jimmies his way there, and yep. then he goes big again. And that's what's so impressive, because you make that many ODI centuries, and you learn from it, and you learn how to convert those scores into completely match-winning ones. Because you can make match-losing centuries, as Pakistan know only too well. Mm. Um, but Rohit rarely does, because he tends to go beyond and make them count. I mean, what he says is absolutely correct, but it's just an extension of that. Um, today, when I was when you said he was really riled when he got out after he scored that hundred, he had scored it off eighty odd balls, eighty five I think, yeah. and uh, for the next thirty odd, he scored what twenty three or twenty four runs. Yeah. So he was again getting set for mm. that acceleration every time he scored that double hundred, and he's got three in ODI cricket. Every time he's done that, or every time he's crossed a hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty threshold in ODI cricket, that. That, that period after he reaching his 100, he takes those 20, 30 balls like he would at the start of the innings when he's on zero. So he really restarts his entire cycle. And when he got out, I had the feeling that that ac- acceleration point is just about coming. But, uh, you know, just, just again, that callousness of that shot and just hitting it straight to the fielder. Yes, he was riled. Mm. Perhaps, uh, perhaps didn't pick the right moment to hit it. I, I just I just love his body language. I love the way he carries himself, Rohit Sharma. It's almost like he has to he has to rationalise all that beauty by being slightly bashful on the pitch and slightly detached somehow. He has a kind of a slightly sort of far away air when he's when he's when he's batting. Kohli dominates the scene. Sharma, even when he's directing the tempo of an innings, seems sometimes just to be slightly to one side of it. I, j- I just find him fascinating to watch because he's he's a an, an aesthetic introverted kind of character in amongst these kind of shimmering show-offs, you know. And and I love the the counterbalance between him and Coley, and they clearly love one another as well. I mean, that comes across. Yeah, but I mean, part of it I think is also his, his actual his actual face as well. It's quite it's very it's very soft and it's very gentle. <laughs> it's got very feminine lips, Robert <laughs> Sharma. Um, and it kind I of have said this on a podcast before. He studied his lips in great detail, haven't you, Ben? Right, oh, you know, you know, you zoom in, you can see quite a lot. The point that I was going to say is just that I think there is an air that he is playing. He's playing not for himself but he, there's, there is almost a great appreciation of that aesthetic quality which Coley doesn't have which Darwin doesn't really have yeah. um, it, there's a sense of just like he can do th- he can do things that the other guys can't do he hit, he hit a six oh, I think he hit Mitchell Stark for six in a test match over cover um, at Adelaide in the, in the winter and you kind of watched it and you go you almost like no no but he, he can't have actually done that yeah. because they're wearing white clothes and it's a red yeah. ball but actually he has he has just done that and he does that quite a lot yeah. make you kind of check what you're seeing have we seen the next world champions today Chetan? I'm not sure. Uh, yes, India are, like you said, a juggernaut rolling and they're looking really strong, aren't they? And I've been following it's the this. two spinners for me. Yeah, I mean, I have followed their trajectory, but there is a team, Phil, that has played those two spinners really well, and that is England. I think we will see the world champions on the 30th of June when India play England. That's a cop out, come uh, on. If, 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 <laughs> if, if, if uh, 
I know, right? But the thing is, <laughs> for me, for me, the way England played Kuldeep and Chahal last summer mm-hmm. was actually a turning point in the way not only how England batted, but also how Kuldeep and Chahal bowl. Because they're not only bowling attacking lines. Against Australia, we saw, and today also we saw for a moment when Chahal was being attacked and Australia were... They were not attacking them, but they were not even giving them wickets because mm. these two wrist spinners are used to taking early wickets. And when that was not happening, they went back into that restrictive mode. And I think that has changed from that last English summer. So I'll be very interested to interested to watch how these two bowl to England on June 30th. Yeah, just very briefly, the, the, the evolution of Yadav just in this tournament has been fascinating to watch. You know, he's found the right pace and length to bowl on English pitches. And he was, as you alluded to earlier, he was irresistible today. The thing is with Kuldeep and Chahal as well, because they're obviously both wrist spinners, they're turning it different ways, they work so well together, but they're actually individually so incredible on the, in their own right. Like the only the only spinner in the world at the moment who's taking wickets at a uh, better rate is Rashid Khan, and he's getting the associate boost from that. Yeah. Um, and yet both of them are going at about five runs per over. It's, in, it's incredible. And yeah, who plays them the best will probably beat them. And whether that's England in the final at Lords is maybe a different question. But I, I mean, to answer the initial question, I don't think we've seen the world champions today. I think I think uh, I think it will be England. Okay, are we in danger? So we both agreed. I mean, it's not a cop out, really, is it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're coming back round to it, but I, I nailed my colours to well, the well, last well, well, India will win the World Cup. But anyway, um, <laughs> are, are we in danger then of seeing the semi finalists, the top four, settled long before the culmination of these group stages? No, um, I think. It's easy to think. Is that just your relentless optimism, Ben? Yeah, partly that. Um, But also, there's no space for that round here. But also, partly because basically what you're saying is that if there are no upsets, then everything's just going to go as expected, which is not a thing. If a team could burst out now, Bangladesh could still go on a run. West Indies could still go on a run. Australia and New Zealand have still got to play a lot of good teams. Okay, let let me ask you another question. If there is going to be one team from that top four to drop out and one team to replace them, who are those two teams? I think. Oh God, you've really put me on the spot there. Bang- Bangladesh, Australia. I think they could still swap. I, I still think Australia. I don't think they're very good. I, I, so, I, so you would go for Bangladesh ahead of the West Indies. I think the West Indies are on a wrong trajectory now. I think I think they sense their chance. I think that they still haven't recovered from that Australia game. They they had them thirty for four, or whatever it was, and needing thirty one off thirty, and they didn't win. I think that's kind of taken the air out of them. And with Russell being crocked as well, I think that's their X factor gone. Whereas sure. Bangladesh, they're a team. They the whole thing works. Well, I was talking to Trenbold the other day. I'm coming to this question, <laughs> to this answer indirectly, uh, like I always do. So I was talking to Trenbold yesterday, and he said his four semi-finalists were uh, India, Australia, New Zealand, of course, and West Indies. He didn't even mention England. He was like, "Oh, I hope it makes headlines." Cheeky, Cheeky yes, but I, I, I don't, I don't think England will not be in the semi-finals. I think there's a greater chance of, and I'm, I'm really sorry, Trent, but if you're listening, I think New Zealand are in a greater risk of actually falling out of that top four because they had easy games so far. I mean, no easy games as, as you want to put out the advert for this World Cup, but... There are quite <laughs> a few easy games. Yeah, there are quite <laughs> a few easy games, aren't there? I mean, they played Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, yeah. got a point out of playing India, which, I mean, yes, they beat them in the warm-up, but when the real thing starts, mm-hmm. you never mm-hmm. know, really. Uh, so, they got seven points from four games, which, will, which they would have taken at the start of the World Cup. They got onto a roll, but now... They have all the tough sides. No other team is yeah. playing, you know, high-ranked sides one after the other in the latter half of the tournament. So mm-hmm. it might just come down to that. If if I have to pick a team to slip out of that top four right now, it would be New Zealand. A team to go into that top four, uh, 
probably West Indies. They are best placed. But I have this really bad feeling that it's going to be an India-Bangladesh semi-final once again. Really? I'm Just tired of India-Bangladesh semi-finals. I'll be very honest. They're a good team. They give more contests than Pakistan do. Mm-hmm, but That's true. It just... <laughs> I'm tired of it. You've done, <laughs> you've done it enough. Just one thing, and it's a, a bit of a rogue one. I do still think that the final game of the group stage, which is Australia versus South Africa, I still think that that could determine who qualifies in some capacity it's still I, I just think there's enough to happen yet that okay. actually we're all writing it off but I think there will be a, a place up for grabs then we're looking for another edge Baston sort of a moment I mean you know but you know what he said that Australia are not there they're not a good side but you know what there's a there's a thing that they say in football and we have Manchester United just a stone's throw from here and the great Man United teams built by Sir Alex Ferguson one by one nil and all uh, it's how you win on your bad days yeah. that you know really sets the champions apart. And this Australian side, they're not a complete unit yet because they don't really have that all-round angle in their middle mm-hmm. and they don't really know what they're doing with their number three or number four who's batting there, Kwaja, Smith, and the spinner. They, they've left out the spinner in the last they're two games. Out, yeah. Which is really, you know, uh, India playing with two wristies and they've left out mm. their wristies. So mm-hmm. They're not a complete side, but they're winning on their bad days. That's for me, is the underlining point of this Australian side. Go would, for it, Ben. I would just like last words. One, one last rebuttal is that um, whenever anyone says that you're defined by the by winning when you're playing badly, I'm like, I'd much rather win playing well. And that's what England and India have been doing for two years. <laughs> so I'll back them on that. Okie dokie. Fabulous stuff. Cheers, fellas, for joining us on what's been quite a long and emotional day, actually. I've got to run and try and get a train to get back to London. Robin Smith is on the show tomorrow evening, live from the uh, Royal Garden Hotel in uh, West London. This has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag. If you don't know, they've been creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. You have not been listening the last couple of weeks. We'll be back tomorrow, as I say, with the great Robin Smith. Don't forget to subscribe via the podcast app and Spotify and all the rest of them. Thanks for listening. Cheers for joining us, fellas. Cheers. Go well, guys. And we'll be back tomorrow. Podcast Network.